I'm Matt Godbolt. And I'm Ben Rady. And this is Two's Compliment, a programming podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Great. Great to hear it. So, I know that one of the things that you do when you're not writing tests is build cool things. Uh, I try to. And you've, you've shared with us at work a video of one of the coolest things I've ever seen, which uh, is a... Tell us what you built. An automated candy dispenser. Why would you build such a thing? What on earth... What, what's the reason for such a thing? Yeah, well, so I used to live in a neighborhood in Chicago. I still live in Chicago, but I live in a different neighborhood now. But I used to live in a neighborhood that was absolutely bonkers <laughs> on Halloween. Is bonkers a word that you, as an American, would use? Or are you saying it because you've hung around with me too long? No, I'm saying it because I'm looking at you and I'm like, what's the right word here? <laughs> when I look at Matt, Matt Godbolt, I think bonkers. <laughs> so, no, it's because we, this, and it was like, full-size candy bars are like amateur hour in this neighborhood. If that's all you're doing, you're just, you're way behind the wow. curve. Um, so, and we knew this. And so, like, putting a bowl of candy out is not only an unacceptable solution if you want to go trick-or-treating with our, with your kids, which we did. Both my wife and I wanted to go trick-or-treating right, with right. our kids. And this is when they were younger and much cuter. But <laughs> <laughs> um, And so, you know, we wanted to go out. And so... I can't just put a bowl of candy out there. What am I going to do? And I had been looking for an excuse to use one of the many Arduinos that I had just ordered only <laughs> to have them and just sort of assemble them and, you know, possess them, collect them. Like I should put these things to use. Um, and so I built two versions of it. One version was a candy dispenser and this little like LED backlit, for some reason, Super Mario themed, um, <laughs> you know, game. It, the whole structure of it was like a carnival game. I called it Candy or Death, and it would alternate between two possible outcomes. You hit there's a giant button. Hit the button, and it like plays a song, right. and it like alternates between these things, Candy or Death. Like, like the sort of the skill game on a fruit machine yeah. where you have to kind of stop it on the right okay yeah except it, it you know there was no skill to it it just it just almost like a like a like a roulette wheel in a way oh okay um, so dick 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 exactly like that and then it would always land on candy and then it would dispense candy and the idea Boring. behind this right yes <laughs> and uh, more on that later um oh oh okay <laughs> uh but the idea behind this is that it was sort of like dinner and a show because i needed to have a hopper that would hold so much candy and i needed to know approximately even with the ridiculous traffic if there was like a line around the block of kids just hitting this button over and over and over again how long do i have out trick-or-treating with my kids before i have to go back and refill the candy hopper replenish the the hopper right got it exactly and so it would take a minimum of the first version, I think, was like a minimum of like 50 seconds, 55 seconds, somewhere in there, to dis- to go through the whole thing and then eventually dispense the candy. And so, and you know, it wouldn't do it if it wouldn't do it if it was in the middle of doing it. So you could just sit there and literally just hit the button over and over and over again. 
and it would have at least like an hour to an hour and 15 minutes worth of candy. So we could right, go to one piece of candy per minute. Yeah. Uh, like a, a, even with someone just ha- hammering the button, a couple of pieces of candy and you just know, well, I can get 120, 150 pieces of candy into the dispenser. I'm good for an hour. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. 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 And it was, the candy was kind of random. And, and that was sort of like, I think part of the appeal is it almost always, I had it, I had it tweaked enough to where it would always give you at least some candy, but sometimes you'd get a bunch of candy. Sometimes it would just be a little. And I thought that was just, I, I didn't want to fix that. <laughs> that wasn't a bug for me, <laughs> right? Part of the, this is all part, yeah, of, part of the entertainment, of the right? Uh, but yeah, and then, so the first version was just sort of this backlit, you know, I basically like took some almost like, I forget this paper, but like, almost like rice paper. And I built like like a shadow box type thing with an LED in the back. And so it would sort of light up. Um, Got it. And that was all controlled by the Arduino. And then the second version was that plus I replaced the LEDs with a actual TV screen controlled by a Raspberry Pi that played an animation. And this had like, you know, like a a skeleton hand that would spin around and music that would play. Uh, That's pretty serious uh, an installation at that point yeah. rather than like a, a microcontroller and a couple of LEDs yeah. and, a, and a server. But we, we need to talk about how you actually built the thing because that to me is like the really interesting part but yeah yeah me. yeah yeah it was cool um the so the candy dispenser itself ran on a arduino and the arduino had a uh stepper motor shield that you could put on it um all this is on my like all the code for this is on my public github by the way which is you know ben Rady. so github.com slash ben and it had this really cool stepper motor that i found and the Arduino shield that went with it. What is the stepper motor compared to like a regular motor? What is what is the difference? Yeah, so it's it's basically just like a super powerful servo, right? So you can control uh, with like a regular servo usually, and also with a regular servo usually there's like a range of motion that you're limited to, right? Sometimes they go, okay, just keep going, but but a servo is like a, a thing where I can pick what orientation I would like it to be pointing at between, say, like 0 and 45. Or yeah, something. yeah. It's like a motor that you can basically just rotate as much or as little as you want and to specific locations, right? To specific, okay, that's it. Yeah. Right. So, like, if you've got, you know, anybody that does anything in robotics, there's a lot of servos going on, right? Because you're just like, I'm going to rotate this motor 15 degrees to the left and then whatever it's attached to also, hopefully, hopefully so rotates does, does the motor degrees. know which way it's facing? Or I guess in your case, it doesn't matter. Yeah, in my case, it didn't matter. Basically, what I want, the thing that I figured out is I did a lot of testing with different kinds of candy and different... Testing, you say? Yeah, well, yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> Always the testing with you. Ex- what is maybe, it? Maybe, I mean, you know, you want things to work, you got to test them. Maybe we'll call it experimentation. But, um, no, I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. The The... So I had I had this like cereal dispenser that I had found that was like basically these rubber fan blades and the cereal would sit in a hopper in the top and you'd spin it. And you've maybe oh. seen this in cafeterias or in other places where it's just they fill right. a big yeah, plastic yeah, yeah. hopper like full of breakfast bowls. Yeah. And, and then you just like twist one it. Or two portions. Yeah. And so I had one of those and I had hooked that up to not directly. It was through a, a, um, a little belt pulley system. But I had hooked that up to the stepper motor, um, a to get more gearing so that it it could that you get a little bit more torque, but also to elevate it up so that it could fall down and still hit the right spot in the window where the candy came out. Um, Got it. 
But um, but I had hooked that up to the separate motor, and I had figured out that you can't if you just t- turn it in one direction, it tends to jam. And so what it would do is it would turn a little bit in one direction, and then it would back off and turn in the other direction, and then it would back off, and turn in the other direction, and it would basically alternate back and forth. Give itself yeah. like to, to get out um, if there was anything that was yeah. And so it wouldn't it was right. it was much less likely to jam that way. But then that also depended on the kind of candy. So I tested lots of different kinds of candy. <laughs> and oh, that's onerous testing. Oh man, um, yes, that was. I'd be ordering <laughs> these five-pound bags of candy <laughs> off of Amazon, and I, you know, run it for like two hours, and it would jam and be like, "Well, this is useless. I can't use this candy for anything." <laughs> you got except, three and a half you know, pounds of it, eating it all, which I definitely did. At, at a certain point, I was like, maybe I should just do Tootsie Rolls because then I won't eat them. Yeah, but then neither does anybody else. Well, yeah, that's true. I did. <laughs> so eventually, I wound up with Jolly Ranchers. Jolly Ranchers were a good combination good of hard candy, but with a wrapper that was like flexible enough to where it would you wouldn't get this sort of like because I tried Starburst and Starburst would like lock into position where you, oh. the square blocks of the Starburst would just like form a wedge and like. No matter how hard you turned it, it just wouldn't it's give. It's not going to move. Right? right. Yeah, I got it. I got um, what an interesting thought. Yeah. So, like the little um, uh, tassels, not the tassels, like the, the, yeah, the plastic yeah. wrapper yes. forms like a spring on either side. Right. And right. also a force that tends to, when well, if you've ever tried to squish them, push it like twisted away. So, yes. as they're kind of being squished together, they move around a lot. Yep. As opposed to, as you say, Something like a Starburst, where essentially you're playing Tetris, except that the line does not disappear <laughs> when you've got it complete. It just exactly. wedges your machine. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. So yeah, so so after some 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 experimentation and testing with that, um, you know, I had the stepper motor working. I had the candy that I wanted to use, and it was just you know sitting down and writing like a little Arduino program to do this. And I love the Arduino IDE. It's super I was going to say we should it's really so talk great. about that because if if people, I mean, obviously, there's physically building the stuff is cool and interesting. And we should definitely get back and talk a little bit more about how you actually put it together, but. The Arduino ex- programming experience is is pretty ex- exciting, and you should yeah mm-hmm. tell us about it. What what all does it look like? How does it? How do you do this? Oh yeah, I mean it's so fun to be able to just you know you could the IDE is really easy to use. You just download it, you plug in your Arduino via USB, and you can you know run your you can upload your code to the Arduino super fast, so you have a nice feedback cycle, and you can just be plugging components into the thing if you've um i think the first one i did was one of the earlier models so i didn't have it on a breadboard i just had um basically just wires running out of the thing i actually forget how those connected if they were like um little female connectors that you could put those wires into but it was it was really easy to plug stuff into so you could you know plug in leds plug in this plug in like other like the button you know i could control that and you can with a pretty fast turnaround time experiment with it right just try right. things out right and you and know you're like writing I, in, in in what language are you writing all this stuff well it's like, like a, it's sort language? of a weird c plus plus the arduino right. language right it's like you know not nearly as fully featured but you have certain c plus plus language elements that are there um and it's you know it's if you've written any programming language, it's not hard to figure out, right? And presumably, this is—we're talking like a page or two of code. We're not talking like giant, giant gobs of it. Not multiple files, or, or are you? I mean, I, I, I know from my own like LED blinking. Into, yeah, I didn't split it into simple. multiple files. Actually, right. the most complicated thing that I did with the first version was 
Uh, you know the Mario Brothers uh, flagpole uh, fanfare? Yeah. That was the sound that it played when it dispensed the candy. And I had basically hand-coded that into the program as, like, frequencies. Oh, yes. And yes, I had found I... a couple of places where it's like I thought I had the frequencies right. And I, my wife is very musically inclined. She played piano for years. She played French horn. She's a singer. And I played it for her the first time, and she was like, nah. She recoiled in horror. <laughs> She's like, that's, the that note is, that's wrong. That's just, you're not, you're off. And I'm like, if you say so, I can't tell the Yeah, difference. this is, uh, yeah. But yeah, so that was, that was, honestly, most of the code in that file was taken up by that, just playing that fanfare. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the rest of it was like turn motor on. Yeah, it was like turn motor for, uh, 180 degrees, wait two seconds. Turn the motor 180 degrees the other direction, wait two seconds. Got it. Um, you know, flash the lights. You know, for the thing. But it, that was all. All that stuff was pretty straightforward. That's that's awesome. And and, and so the, the feedback cycle is really really quick when it's like there, plugged in a USB board mm-hmm. into your computer, and then presumably you've got wires dangling out, and you've got like a something constructed nearby with a stepper motor that's kind of at least just turning so you can see how it's going to fit together at least while you're developing it mm-hmm. how do you take that that's sort of connected to a pc and then make it run elsewhere it just seems like you know hey how do i install my software on that? how do i deploy it <laughs> right right well you screw it to a piece of wood that's the <laughs> that's the main thing that you do is so- you it persists, does it? Once you've did, once you've copied the code onto that mm-hmm. that little Arduino, you don't have to flash RAMy type thing, or th- th- that's just it. You kind of deploy it, and then you unplug it, and then you turn it off, and then put it somewhere else, and turn yep. it back on again, and off it. That's so cool. Yeah, all you got to do is turn it on, and it'll run. So there's it's it's really simple, and um, you know, it's not that hard to write a little while loop to listen for inputs and wait for the state of a button or a pin to go high, and then right. do something. And so you know, it's it's a really simple environment to work in um, and really rewarding, I think. When something actually physically happens in the real world, yeah, there's, there's the definitely turn, yeah. a warm feeling you get from like, I'm controlling something mm-hmm. in the real world. I mean, my, feels like magic. My, my kids do some like Lego Mindstorm stuff and that's all like drag and drop things. But that's it's still really cool to move a motor around and kind of go, oh yeah, that's 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 a real thing. That happened mm-hmm. because you typed some code in. and But when you've actually built it yourself, it's got to be even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was super fun. So you've you've got this uh, motor that's powering this cereal uh, dispenser, and you've kind of worked out the correct sequence of wiggles and the right candy to put into it, and the right mm-hmm. sweets to put into it for those listening in ENGB. <laughs> it's yep. also a bit late to say this now, but like uh, for those who don't realize quite how big a deal Halloween is over here in the states, um, yeah, our international audience are like, what, what are they talking about? It's like, no, it really is crazy. You have, you have to leave. Tons. Of, we we leave like a big bowl outside. We have the exact problem that you do, which is that we come back and within like thirty seconds the bowl was empty because someone's just emptied the whole thing into their bag and I'm got on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like there's, there's not really goodwill to your 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 uh, the, the the neighborhood kids if you if if there isn't something for them. So this is obviously a very real problem and a real world problem that you're solving with this uh, this this uh, approach. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, yeah, you've you've built this thing. It's all connected together. Do you put it outside and just, do people steal it? I mean, th- that would be my concern in this kind of thing is that someone would go, that's That cool, was I'm also my concern. I mean, you know, we live in a fine neighborhood, but if you give teenage kids access to a <laughs> giant hopper full of candy, they're going to take it, right? It's the same problem as the bowl. <laughs> yeah. So we had the fortune of um, our house having a window directly onto the front porch, right? It's like kind of to the side of the front door. 
And it was kind of a narrow window. It was only about two feet wide. And it had these child locks built into the window to where the window would only move up so far so that you could open the window and, you know, be safe with kids. So they're not going to like little kids. So they're not going to like push the window all the way open and fall out. Right. Got it. Um, And so I built it into that specific window with those child locks. Right. So the way it would work is there was a faceplate with the button and the speaker in it. And then that was on top of a piece of uh, MDF that how, that held like the Arduino and the motor and the assembly for the hopper and all that stuff and all the you know power circuit you know all the power cables and all everything was just sort of screwed into that piece of MDF. And so you could set it in the window and then close the window and lock it into place with the child locks. I see. And it would not so it only partially hold, closed, but yeah. you couldn't open it anymore after that. Right, inside, right. It was the, yeah. the faceplate was the exact height of the gap that was created by the child locks. Genius. So you could basically lock the whole thing into place and have it be safe. I mean, you'd have to break the window with a hammer or something in order to. At get that point, there. right? You've gone from uh, right. teenagers just robbing the candy because it's yes, there. Yes, you're the just breaking into my actually house. Actually, breaking point, and entering, right, sort yeah. of outside of the spirit of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and then the cool thing is, I could pull the shade down behind the window so that I would prevent any light from sort of leaking through. Because again, it's like, I want it to be dark on the front porch and I want the light from the candy dispenser to be the only of thing course. we can really see, right? Ghoulish illuminated by the flashing red and green yeah, like yeah. candy or death. Right. Or the screen, you know, in the second version. Right? In the second one, yeah. So we yeah. should, so you, when I mentioned death before, you said there was a story. Is this the right time to tell that story? Yeah. So, so the thing was, is that, you know, my, my wife and I, it's not like we had another supply of Halloween candy. Right. So when we came back from dispensing or when we came back from going trick or treating, we would go in our house and I just leave the candy dispenser there. And this was great because you get to hear the reactions from all the people. We'd be just sitting in our living room. So cool. Yeah. And people would come up and you'd get to hear their reactions. And by far, the thing that we heard most often was kids being disappointed that it didn't land on death. Right. They would just be like, so they just do it over and over again. And they'd be like chanting death, 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 death. And it would land on candy and they'd go, oh, fine. What is wrong with children these days? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So they went to death. Did you ever, were you ever tempted to to meet out, you know, like one in a hundred deaths, something like that? (laughs) I did have the idea. I did have the idea of having it look like it like glitched out. And then switch to death and then throw like a jump scare picture up on the screen. You know, something that's not too terrifying, but something from like a horror movie that would just, you know, the, the sort of like yeah, pop up a... on the screen and, sh- and scare you. And what I wanted to do was put a webcam over the thing. So as soon as it did that, it would take a picture and then post it to a Twitter account. And then I could have the candy or death Twitter account with people going like, ah, you know. Uh, last about five minutes before someone pointed out you probably shouldn't be doing that without consent and all those yeah, boring probably, but, but very important know. things. Again, <laughs> Halloween. Actually, you know, it's funny because like... <laughs> all bets are off, right? You <laughs> waived your rights when you walked up my front steps. <laughs> you know, a disclaimer at the foot of the stairs. Right? It wouldn't be the craziest thing that has happened in the neighborhood on Halloween, for sure. But not even by a long shot. There's pretty macabre things around here. I've seen like bodies on spikes in the front garden. I'm like, this, this is not, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, but I never did that. In fact, I don't own it anymore because when we sold our house, 
that was part of the deal for the house. I, oh my gosh. I sold it with the house because it fits that one window. It fits I'd that have window, to completely of course. rebuild it. To do, and we don't even have a window in our new house that it would, that it would even be You don't be have a window? This. Oh, you don't. It wouldn't be. A, I was going to say, you just yeah. live in a brick, <laughs> brick cube. I live. <laughs> We're I live done with a, looking it's at It's actually people. all window. I live in a giant glass cube. It's like an <laughs> Apple store. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, from the webcam, since you've moved, I haven't seen a new house. Like, it, there may well be no no windows. I can't see any windows, so I, I assume mean, it would make sense. There's not, there's no windows here. But no, they, we couldn't have used it. You sold it with your your your, your house because yeah. it doesn't fit the new house. And yeah. did you leave them with like an owner's manual? And the, I made them an the instructional instruction? video, actually. That's so cool. Yes. That's, and actually the it, presentation. So you've seen my presentation that I did. That's I have, which is this, what right? clued me into knowing about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I left that, that the reason I did it is because I was selling the house and I was like, oh, I'm not going to have this anymore. And also the new owners need to know how to use it. So I'm going to do a talk on it <laughs> and then I'm going to leave them the link to that talk and some video so they can see some other things. So is and there I'll, a YouTube link? actually in the closing documents for your house that would be the <laughs> legal documentation that says sign yes, the, the rights uh, the of the seller, video over to them as well the seller yeah. represents that this is how the candy dispenser works and yeah <laughs> it's part of That's the inspector so cool. was like this this candy dispenser's not up to code there's <laughs> yeah did you show him the tests did you write any tests uh did i write tests so i in the arduino ide I had a test mode, right? So if you um, turn the thing off and turned it on and you held down the button, and this made me think when I was making this, is like, surely, 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 there are like old school coin-op video games and vending machines and things where if you turn the thing off and you enter in the right code in the vending machine, all the, all the candy comes out, like yeah, all the food in the be. vending machine comes yeah, out, yeah, yeah. that has to exist. And And doing this sort of reinforced that for me of like, if you it's turned it off and, and then turn it back on and you held down the button so that the button was pushed when it started up, it would run a diagnostic. And it was basically just me with a bunch of asserts checking a couple of the functions that I had written. And then it would go into this like auto dispensing loop that I could use for stress testing, right? So if I was testing out a new kind of candy, I could just do this and leave it for three hours or two hours or whatever and you come back. Like and if it had jammed, then okay, that candy was no good. That's a, do you get uh, feedback if it does jam? Is there like a readout from the motor that says no? Hey, it doesn't. It's going to be a fire it just soon struggles. because the motor. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You're get like, <laughs> clicking horrible things. Actually, what would happen in. is the belt would slip. The motor was powerful I enough, see. but the the teeth on the on the timing belt would just slip. Got it. Yeah. And yeah. so we haven't talked about the second version very much. So that was more complicated than just an Arduino and some lights and, and, a, and a while loop. It had, um, it had a, a Raspberry Pi, did you say? And a yeah. screen, a TV screen. Yeah, yeah. So, so the way I also... did this... Yeah, tell, tell us. Uh, the, way I, the way I did this was I hooked up a Raspberry Pi to the Arduino over the same USB cable that you use to program it, right? And you can just, you know, talk over that serial connection and send bytes in both directions right oh um, neat. yeah and then on the raspberry pi side i just you know opened up a serial connection to that device and read the bytes that it was sending and all i really needed was just the signal for when to play the animation right so i don't know what message i sent it was probably just some like hello world string or whatever um 
Because so the the Arduino was was the the driver effectively. It was in control of the whole show here, and it was yes. using the Raspberry Pi, a full Unix operating system on a small <laughs> arm, many hundreds of megahertz arm chip, as essentially a glorified graphics card. Yes, on, on a wire. Yes, over that's cereal. exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so when it got the signal, it would play. It would play the animation. I actually did it all in Chrome with SVG. So it was like serving up a the the thing running on the Raspberry Pi was listening to the serial port and serving up a uh, very very tiny web app that would play this animation and play the music right, um, and it would just do that in response to getting the signal over the. the... So it was a dynamic web page that was showing the content. Yeah. You used. That is, I mean, if we people talk about being a full stack developer, but until <laughs> <laughs> until you you were writing an Arduino like low level um, stepper motor driver, talking over serial to a web browser, and that's a whole product. That then you're not full stack. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I don't know gatekeep what full stack is. Not at all. You know, like it's it's that's just amazing to sort of have a fun project that touches so many different areas of mm-hmm. problem solving and computing. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, amazing. it's like the, when you type something in your web browser, what happens <laughs> when you push the button on this thing, what happens? Well, first the Arduino sees that the pin has gone high and then it starts playing a song. Did you use, uh, I'm going to have to bring up my favorite thing to talk about, which is, you know, when you're down at the low levels like this, it's and, and you're looking for edge events, like a button being pressed, you mentioned earlier you had a while loop, but did you use an interrupt? Tell me you used an interrupt and you just no. went to low power mode. And oh, you're so disappointing. You missed a golden know, opportunity. They, can you even do that on an Arduino? Yeah. Yeah. They've, there is, there, the, some of the sort of like pigeon C extension y type things that they've got allow you to tag stuff as interrupt handlers and set them as interrupt handlers and stuff. So you can do some of that nonsense. Did but not know that. You didn't need to do it. So you didn't because it turns out that if you're not, if you're not battery constrained or anything like that, sitting in a tight loop going while read this memory address is not equal to zero, mm-hmm. sit in a tight loop. Works just fine. It's just fine. Yeah, but no, I just an opportunity to kind of get that end as well. There's a few, just another rung down. Yeah. Well, yeah. Next if time. I was if I was running this thing off a battery, that would have been a whole other deal, for yeah. sure. A whole other world of of considerations. So, mm-hmm. the obvious next question is, what are you going to do in your new house? Uh, what am I going to do in the new house? I, you know, the thing I built in my new house is. I built a golf simulator because I like to play golf. <laughs> oh, well, this has taken an unexpected turn. <laughs> but that's that's almost like a whole show into unto itself. Because man, once you have simulator data that you can export and and analyze, there's a whole other level of nerdery that happens. That is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that is definitely a whole other episode. That's another talk. Okay, yeah. all right. But you definitely piqued my interest there. I'd love to hear about what the heck that is. But no, yeah. no plans then for any Halloween magic or for resurrecting something similar to it. Is that you kind of done that? You've got the t-shirt. The kids are more grown up now, baby. Yeah, our kids themselves. like you know they when don't you're really... allowed out of the house at all, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. When when there isn't a pandemic going. Uh, yeah, they they can go trick or treating by themselves now, honestly, if they want to. And I think they did last year or the year before. It was snowing, I remember. But yeah, it's it's sort of been there, done that. 
you've 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 got the t-shirt mm-hmm. you've you've had your fun and now you've moved on to more things that actually uh, impact you directly like <laughs> i know how much golf means to you so a golf simulator is 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 more in keeping with stuff that you're interested in rather than just service to the the neighborhood kids mm-hmm. yeah Cool. Well, I guess I guess we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that you didn't have an actual test framework for this, and you just have to hold down a button. But, <laughs> but I did I appreciate... write tests for the web app that lived on the Raspberry Pi. That had okay. Tests. But the the Arduino code only had the diagnostic mode. Although, in fairness, writing tests for web pages is about as difficult as writing tests for embedded systems. Right? It's still awkward to do it oh, most no, of the time. Oh no, it's much easier. Is it? Much easier. Oh, All right. it's so much easier. We- I, I we should not go back to testing just yet, but <laughs> at some point you're going to have to explain to me how to write decent web tests because yeah. I I I can't. But that's yeah, that's another topic. So that's another talk. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your picture frame that you've been working? Oh, on? oh, I guess I guess we could. Yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. So, yeah, I saw a um, I saw a YouTube video from an acquaintance of mine who made a kind of uh, joke present for his mum where he built a picture frame into uh, with, with an e-ink paper uh, into, a, into like a little uh, photo frame, like an, a regular photo frame that you put a normal photo in and gave it to his mum as a present. But unbeknownst to her, every day or every couple of days, the picture would change overnight. And he was he was betting how long it would take her to notice. And unfortunately, I think she realized something was up because there's, it didn't look quite right. And, you know, it was she knows her son. So it was it was it was under intense scrutiny. But anyway, it was inspirational to me. And I thought I've just been lucky enough to be sent a, a Raspberry Pi uh, Zero, which is a Raspberry Pi that doesn't run Unix, unlike all the other ones. It's, it's just a chip on a board and a very low power chip at that. And I thought, hey, why don't I give this a go? And I'm going to try and make it run off a battery because uh, Charles's um, setup was on a, a um, Arduino, which I, I've also got an Arduino knocking around somewhere as well. They're great fun. The IDE is, is just brilliant, um, like we were saying before. I was just interested in using the Raspberry Pi, uh, sorry, Pico. If I said zero before, I meant Pico. I forgot what I said. It's late in the day now. But yeah, Raspberry Pi Pico is just nothing to it, just a little board. And so... Um, I picked up the same e-ink screen, and this is a color e-ink screen. So it's got seven colors, which is a weird number of colors to have, as you can probably imagine. Eight would make more sense. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's four bits per pixel. Bizarrely, the internals of this screen are very much like a, an actual CRT display. Like it has, you have to set up timings and uh, how many pixels across it is, how many pixels down it is, how quickly the re- vertical refresh happens. But it's clearly not updating 60 times a second or 50 times a second, right? It's just that seems to be the communication between the RAM on the board and the actual physical screen itself. Like this is a well-established way of addressing each pixel the best way of doing it is to sort of stream out the colors one after another to some circuitry that can then make sure the right color gets to the right pixel. That said, though, the way that it works is that you kind of populate this memory and then you kind of say go. And then it starts doing the kind of Kindle thing, if you know what I mean. If you've got a Kindle that's got an yeah. e-ink display, it kind of flashes on and off and kind of has a real laborious time of it as it's kind of like reset the e-ink. Uh, except it takes even longer because it's got multiple color cells to do it. And it, it seems to be there are just different cells with like colored lenticles over the top of them. 
to give you this the seven different colors and the seven colors are like red green blue yellow brownie orange uh that's five um there's another but to be honest most of them look brownish right it's not very good and so you and it's 600 by 448 so yeah. it's it's quite high resolution so some dithering gets you some way but all the algorithms i've looked at for dithering the, the standard ones um floyd steinberg error diffusion is the one that i picked um they they work really well with luminance from a screen but they don't seem to work as well with essentially a paper medium which is essentially subtractive. And I'm trying to wonder if there's some almost like newspaper style mm-hmm. uh, half toning that used to happen, you know, like on printers versus the yeah. kind of thing you do for a screen that I might look at. But anyway, the the, the code, it runs on the little um, zero. It talks over SPI, which is a standard serial protocol to the the display. I've got a little sense, uh, direction sensor on there as well, which tell, can tell whether it's up. Oh, um, that's neat. So that, yeah, if you can pick up the picture frame and put it on its side, it'll only show portrait things and you put it back in and show uh, landscape photos. And so there I use an interrupt handler. Ha-ha, so I can go into low power mode. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see, I get it out in the end. We'll talk about interrupts. Uh, so that it can go into low power mode between uh, essentially what would be like asleep for, at the moment I've got it like five minutes, just because mm-hmm. I can see it see it go. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I plan on putting the whole thing at the moment it's on my shelf in the other room but it's like if you to look at it any further than um sorry any closer than like a couple of feet you'll notice that behind it is a ton of breadboard and wires and batteries and things so it's not very good i'm i'd like to get it to the stage where um i can get a like a breadboard an actual um you know copper track breadboard old school not like the pushy uh-huh. pin ones but and, and solder onto it and get that um actually sort of fabbed enough to then get everything into the little clip frame that i've got for it because the whole thing is only like um you know a a half a centimeter thick which is Mm. i don't know some 29 60 fourths of an inch or something i don't know (laughs) you americans (laughs) in your crazy sense but yeah five mil kind of thick um thing but it's the it's been an interesting um experience the the raspberry pi sdk the the zero uh, sorry i keep saying zero the pico sdk is shipped as like a GitHub project that you just git clone and then you kind of just C make it in and it's all written in C yeah. and C++. That's They've done a really good job of documenting it. The You kind of link the whole operating system such as it is, it's just support libraries, into your executable and because it's you, you have like a sibling directory with all the code and it builds it as source so you change your compiler and it's going to pick up all of the, the, the whole yeah. operating system and then you just get like a, dot, a single image to deploy to the the app uh, to the the device and the way you deploy is when you turn it on just like you were describing before there is one button on the top of the thing if you hold down that button when you're when it's powered on it goes into like a a receive mode yeah and there it looks like it's a usb thumb drive oh neat and you copy a single file onto it and as soon as you finish copying that single file into it that's the image it's going to run from then on it just flashes that image and now it's that so I've got like a little watch loop. You know, we've talked about the uh, the watch sort of targets before oh, now, which yeah. look uh-huh. for the USB drive to appear. And when it does, it copies the current version in and then it waits for it. And then it gets the serial port debug interface up and just waits uh-huh. on. So I've got a little like REPL style thing where I can just hit build. The only annoying thing is I have to like press the button. And until I wired in a reset button myself as well, it meant that uh, I actually had to unplug and plug the whole thing back in again, which was a pain in the proverbials. 
but um you can get an actual debug header for it and then yeah. actually debug it but the easiest and best way to connect to the little three pin debug uh system that it has is to use another raspberry pi zero as like the adapter yeah. And these things are $3.99 each. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. silly. So I just ordered 20 of them because yeah. right. <laughs> I'm going to find yep. you. This is exactly like you and your Arduinos on the shelves. That's right? why I have half a dozen BBC micro boards sitting on my shelf, right? Exactly right. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, these 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 cool things are, uh, you, you use them as the, the adapter, the debug adapter. And so, unfortunately, because everyone has rushed off to buy them, they're out of stock everywhere. So... So I'm waiting for more to come through, which is why I've sort of shelved it for now until I can, I can uh, debug it properly and and get my few other bits and pieces through. But it's just great fun. Mm-hmm. It's great fun to have something, uh, and I'm hoping that it's inspirational for the kids to see that with relatively straightforward code. I mean, again, at the moment, everything that I've done in my code, with the exception of the gzip library, which I've kind of got hidden away somewhere else, to compress the images and put them on uh, into the like the image itself. Everything fits into a single screen, yeah, or, or, or so, and that includes me, me me going slightly crazy and um, wrapping the screen driver that I had written in a in nice C plus plus seventeen objects that are all you know <laughs> all the nice things, all the nice trimmings. So, which means it's more than one page of code. It's one file. I said it was one screen. I mean, it's one file. It's about two screens worth of code, in as much as a screen is a decent measurement of of code, but it's not much. It's just fun and exactly as you say like hey when you when you are just doing a relatively straightforward simple single thing you don't need very much code yeah like while you know i go hey sleep in low power mode for five minutes cool all right now send this byte to the sp over the spi to the dis- display driver which wakes it back up again from its slumber that i put it in mm-hmm. and now stream 600 times 448 divided by two because that's four bits per pixel colors from from an array that i just g unzipped um, okay, and then let's sleep again for a bit. You know, give it the magic command to say and go, and now watch it do its screen changing, and then I'm going back to sleep again. But it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. If you don't mind a very dull, slightly brown image uh, of <laughs> anything you wanted to put on it. So my my original hope was to give this to my wife as a Valentine's present. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I failed to deliver it to her. <laughs> in time <laughs> next year next valentine but i but i told her about it and so i got almost as many kind of reward point romance reward points for uh for the idea of it than the mm-hmm. actual implementation because i don't know how excited she would be really about a muddy picture of pictures of us <laughs> well, they say that it is the thought that counts they do say that it's the thought that counts mm-hmm. and this is also uh not the first time that she's had to put up with devices that i've wanted to make uh, as either gifts for for her or for me because i think for my 30th birthday i said to her rather than getting anything i was gonna getting her getting me anything i should say i was gonna buy a bunch of components and build my own mp3 playing <laughs> system that could plug into my amp and what year i was still this? have the parts this uh, well 40 15 years ago it, i got I- it working but Ultimately, I ended up buying like a squeeze box, which was this commercial offering that did the same thing. You know, this is like pre-Sonos, pre-that yeah. um, kind of stuff where I, you know, I, I had a server that was chock full of all my MP3s uh-huh. and I couldn't play it on my nice hi-fi because there wasn't a way of connecting the two. And so I thought, well, I'll make one. Do you, do you see, I don't know if you can see this in the webcam, do you see the sort of steel and plastic contraption sitting on the top of my On the top shelf? Over there? 
I have many times wanted to ask you what that is. That is a computer that I installed into my Honda Civic in around 2002 to play MP3s because you couldn't buy an MP3 player <laughs> at the time. And so th- that one is voice controlled. There's a little mi- lapel mic that I wired through the car up to the driver's seat. And there was a push to talk button and you would push it and I, th- it, would, it would use the Windows uh, voice to text API. We should talk sometime about the trials of trying to get a computer to shut down reliably and not overheat in Texas. In a car. A window, in a car, if it's a Windows machine. <laughs> um, but Wow. But you could push a button and you could say the name of a song, album, or playlist, and it would play that song, album, or playlist. That's amazing. Oh, my that's God. That's so cool. You, uh, when was that? I mean, obviously, this was when you were in Texas. So that's it was immediately after I graduated school, and I'm like, I have money. I can spend this money on whatever I want. I'm going to build a computer into my car, right? That's was, so cool. It was that was my my geek project. Oh my well, god, MP3 players, man! I mean, if if we, as if we needed more uh, reasons to 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 say that we are similar, <laughs> <laughs> we've taken we we took a different fork at the beginning, but we have remarkably consistently done similar things about so yeah, 15 years ago. Yeah. MP3s. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Well, there's lots more to talk about there. And yeah, I definitely want to hear about your, your golf machine at some point. And no, maybe we should record something and put it on a you know a YouTube for, for people when we talk about that. We could do that. <laughs> then we, we can could... critique your golf swing as well. We could, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Critique golf. That'd be another. That's embarrassing. Yeah, you know, we could do. Maybe we should do like a YouTube channel or something. And do some Uh-oh. of these. You know, we're talking about these presentations that we're give, we've given, but we've given before. We should probably we could at least collect them in a playlist. I've, we've got a yeah, few things that we talked like about. That. Might be a good idea. Cool, my friend. Yeah. Well, let's think about that some more when we're not recording for a podcast, so that we can actually talk about it <laughs> <laughs> rather than yeah, good call. Sort of make ourselves promises that we won't be able to keep. Right. And um, we've got tons more to talk about. So oh, I guess until next time. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, mate. Later. Later. You've been listening to Two's Compliment, a programming podcast by Ben Rady and Matt Godbolt. Find the show transcript and notes at twoscompliment.org. Contact us on Twitter at 2CP, that's at T-W-O-S-C-P. Theme music by Inverse Phase, inversephase.com.